Hello, this is Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. My goal is to bring people to faith in Christ and to help them grow in their faith. We're in a series that we've called Future Trends, Bible Prophecy. Today, the title of this episode is What Heaven is Like and How You Can Get There. I remember when I was a young child, around probably nine or ten years old, probably about nine years old, I would say, I remember that I heard about a place called Six Flags Over Georgia. We lived outside Fort Benning, and Six Flags is a brand new theme park. I I didn't even know what it was. I just saw the advertisements and knew it was great. And I think it was possibly the first or second year it was there. I heard about it, and I could imagine what it must be like from the advertisements. And I had heard about the Atlanta Braves that played at Fulton County Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia, the old stadium that we all remember and love, where so many great things happened for the Falcons and the Braves. I heard about that, but I'd never been to Six Flags, and I had never actually seen the Atlanta Braves, maybe uh, except on TV. So... It's an amazing thing when you think about Six Flags and a a place like a stadium where a major league baseball team plays. Maybe you're into soccer and you've heard of Manchester United or some team like that, and they're your team and you've heard about it, but you've never actually been to the stadium. And all through my teen years and adult life, I've been a Georgia Bulldog football fan. Yes, that's me. Now, I'm not one of those rabid football fans. I only worship Jesus. I just enjoy Georgia football. It's a hobby. And I have seen them play on TV and would listen to Larry Munson call the game on the radio for decades, but I had never actually been to Sanford Stadium and actually seen personally a Georgia football game. So I had to rely on what others told me about these great places. Well, that reminds me in a way of heaven. Heaven is a real place. And I want you to know something else today. In spite of the lies told about God, God is trying to fill heaven up. He wants everyone who will trust in Christ to come to heaven. He wants Muslims to come to heaven who trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. He wants Hindus to be there because they trust in Christ alone for their salvation. He wants people from every imaginable religion and non-religion across the world to come to heaven if they turn their life over to Jesus Christ. God has done everything that he could possibly do 
to fill heaven up. And it's a real place. Let's look at what the Bible says about that. And one of the one of the best places to go, I believe, is, is right to the words of Jesus Christ Himself, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, as we know from the Gospel of Mark and through our future trends study here, without question, Jesus Christ claims to be God. And He proved that by resurrecting from the dead, literally, physically, on the third day, and showing himself to be alive by many proofs to the people who were completely doubtful of it. And yet even they were convinced that he is God. We're going to read his words. In fact, he said what we're about to read on the night on which he was betrayed. Within a short time, within a few hours, he would be tried and falsely convicted, condemned to death on the cross, pay the price for our sin. We should have been on that cross, but he took our place. He actually died. He was dead. He was certified to be dead by experts in death, the Roman centurions. They knew how to make people dead. And they certified that he was dead. And then he rose again on the third day, as we said a moment ago. This same Jesus said these things. It's in the Gospel of John. That's in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible. So if you find Matthew, uh, turn right and go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and you went too far, back up, to John, the Gospel of John. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Jesus said this, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Jesus spoke here of mansions or dwelling places, a place made just for you and just for me. Now, personally, I believe this not only means that it's made for those who believe in Him, but I believe even beyond that, that when I see the place He's prepared for me, it will, it will just be a fit. And when you see what He prepared for you, if you're trusting in Christ, it'll be just the way you would have designed it yourself. So Christ says here that it's a place. It's the Father's house. There are many mansions in it. He said, if it, if it wasn't like that, I would have told you that. But I'm going to prepare a place for you. 
Heaven is a place, and it will have a place for you if you're trusting Christ as your Savior and Lord. And he says in verse 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. So when we see the words where and there, we see that it's an actual, real place. Now, there have been many books and videos and films made in recent times depicting what people say they think heaven is like, and some of them claim to have died and been to heaven and returned. I'm not going to get into all of that, but there's a lot of descriptions floating around about heaven. I think the best thing to do is let's see what the Bible says about what heaven is like. What is heaven like? Well, let's look in Revelation 21, Revelation chapter 21, and we're just going to read through this, and I may make a comment here or there, so I hope you're reading with me in your Bible so you can see where the, the verse is and where I may be making my own comments. So we read in Revelation 21, starting in verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. That's kind of funny there in a way because the Apostle John was a prisoner on the Roman prison island called Patmos, which was surrounded by the Mediterranean Sea. As far as you could look, nothing but sea. And John made a note here that there was no more sea. <laughs> I like that. But for all of the environmentalists among us who are trying desperately to save the earth, I've got a word for you from the Bible. What you're trying desperately to save, God is going to ultimately destroy and create a new heaven and a new earth. You can't fix what's wrong with this earth, but God is going to redo everything and it'll be just fine. Revelation 21 verse 2, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And I say to you listeners, can I get a witness on that, an amen on that? Verse 5, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. 
And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that come overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. And we kind of see who is there in heaven, but now we see who is not there. A few of these here. But the uh, verse 8, a few of these verses describe that. Verse 8, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers. Let's see, let me go back there. Sorry, <laughs> I lost that. Let's start over. Verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And there came unto me one of the seven angels which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues and talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. Then he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates." And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof an hundred and forty and four cubits according to the measure of a man that is of the angel. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper and the city was pure gold like unto clear glass and the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third a chalcedony, the fourth an emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth a topaz, the tenth a chrysosperus, the eleventh a jacent, the twelfth, and amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve 
pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, as it were, transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Revelation 22. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God, excuse me, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of of the nations, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign for ever and ever. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which shortly must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. Amen. Then we continue in Revelation 22. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give to every man according 
as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Now we're going to stop right there at verse 15 and we'll come back to verse 16 through 21 in a moment. So we've seen what heaven is like. It is an actual place where we see the new Jerusalem descending upon the new earth that's been created. It is approximately 1,500 miles at its base. And it's probably best to think of it as a cube or a square. 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles deep, and 1,500 miles high. Now I know that's virtually incomprehensible for us. Let me give you a picture. Think of a map of the United States of America. Got that in your mind? By the way, as I record this, we're coming up on the 243rd birthday of this wonderful country, which has done so much to preserve the light of freedom in this world. But there's a new world coming, and there will be a new capital city, Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem. Think of the United States and a map of it. The new Jerusalem, and let me explain this. From the coast of California to the coast of Virginia, you know, east and west coast, it is approximately 3,000 miles in distance. Imagine that this new Jerusalem, this actual real city that God has created, takes up over half of the United States. Wow! It is massive. Now I know what you're thinking. Right about now, you're saying, well, how many people could that hold? (laughs) Get ready to have your mind blown, brothers and sisters. The city limits of Jacksonville, Florida, could hold every person alive in the world today within the city limits of Jacksonville, Florida, and everybody would still have three square feet of room to move around in. You could put a lot of people in a cube that's 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles and 1,500 miles high. You don't need to worry about that. God can handle the seating capacity. Amen? It's big, and we notice that it's also beautiful. It is a very beautiful place. Now, there is a lot of symbolism in, in what we read, but it, those are actual descriptions of the actual New Jerusalem that John saw. But the but the materials used are used in a way to remind us of what Jesus Christ has done to save us. For example, the gates are uh, solid pearls. 
Pearls are produced through suffering. Let me say that again. Suffering produces pearls. The way into the city is through the suffering sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ for your sins and mine. And when we recognize our sin and there's nothing we can do to save ourselves and we throw ourselves pleading for the mercy of God upon Christ and we ask Him to be our Savior and Lord, then in essence we are coming through the suffering He went through to pay the price for our sins. And so you can't even enter the New Jerusalem without acknowledging and being reminded that we all only got there because of the suffering sacrifice of the sinless Savior, Jesus Christ. Now there's a lot of symbolism in the materials used, but I just want to, I don't want to get into all of those details, but I do want to point this out. It mentions that the kings of the earth bring their glory into it. Now, you know, kings and presidents and world leaders have a lot of glory that attend to them. It's nothing. If you find the greatest king in world history, it's nothing compared to the dazzling, overwhelming glory and presence of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Is nothing. The glory of God swallows up the most magnificent glory the world has ever known. Heaven is a magnificent city, my friends, and God is trying to fill it up by getting you there through Christ. Are you cooperating or are you fighting God? Have you bowed the knee to King Jesus? Or are you on the run like a felon and a fugitive from the mercy of God? Well, heaven is not only a real place, a magnificent city, it has a majestic Savior. Let's go back to John chapter 14. In that passage, Jesus had already told them that he was going to prepare a place for them and where he was going, he wanted them to come too and he was making a dwelling place just for them. So it's a real place that he's been preparing all of this time. But I want you to see how you can get there. And if you're already trusting in Christ, I want to remind you how to show others how they can go there too. You remember my example of being a child and having heard many wonderful tales and stories about Six Flags Over Georgia, the Atlanta Braves playing in Atlanta Stadium, and the Georgia Bulldogs playing in Sanford Stadium. You know what? Life is good. <laughs> and at a certain point, my father took our little family from Fort Benning on a like a two or three day vacation. You know, soldiers don't make very much, 
They sacrifice everything that you might have your freedom here in America. They don't make very much money, and so it was a it was a short, uh, cheap vacation. But to us, it's, it's like we went to Disney World. But we went to Six Flags as a family, and I will I can still smell the the smell of the freshly poured asphalt streets that run through Six Flags, and the smell of the the new timber and the wood that created a lot of the booze and the rise. It was the most astounding experience this little kid had ever had. I, Ed Hill, was in Six Flags over Georgia. It was crazy, unbelievable. Man, did we have a great time. It was a real place, and I got to go there. And then, on that same trip, my father arranged for our family, uh, my sister and I, and my mom and dad, went to a Braves game at Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. I will never, ever forget going into the stadium. You know, if you remember it, it was, it was concrete, and really it wasn't that... Nice looking on the outside. It was pretty cool. But it was just a lot of concrete. All right, so you you walk around. You go up the stairs. You go down the passageways trying to find your seat. And and then you, you turn into that little entrance that takes you into the part of the stadium where your ticket says your seats are, right? So we, we go in that little entryway. And as I turn the corner... For the first time in my life, I personally saw the green grass of Atlanta Stadium. <coughs> it was amazing. The, the infield dirt, the green grass, the blue seats. You remember those? I just about, I was a little kid, but I just about passed out. It was unbelievable. I, Ed Hill, was in Atlanta, Fulton County Stadium at a Braves game. Woohoo! Unbelievable. But you know, my life was blessed even more. After I got married, my wife and I decided that I was going to get to see my first Georgia Bulldog football game. And I was already like 27 years old. I'd never been to the campus at the University of Georgia. I had never seen a Bulldog game. But ESPN was broadcasting a night game. It was Georgia versus Georgia Tech at Sanford Stadium. Same basic thing as an adult. You know, we make all, we drive up there, make all the preparations. We get there, and I, I will never forget walking into Sanford Stadium. It was breathtaking, something that I had only heard about on the radio and seen a few times on TV was now a reality. And Ed Hill was live in Sanford Stadium. And the Bulldogs won, by the way. <laughs> Beat Tech. Woohoo! All right. Well, we've heard about heaven. Now, none of us have actually been there, and we're relying on the 
the words of those telling us about it. That being Jesus, he knows all about it. And John, who in the Spirit was given the vision of heaven in Revelation. But let's see what Jesus said in John 14, 4-6. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now Jesus tells us how you and I can get to heaven. It's through Him. There is no other way to get to heaven. Well, what about my religion? Your religion will send you to hell, sir. Ma'am, with all due respect, trying to work your way to heaven through your religion or good works or your community charities or whatever you're doing will land you right in the middle of the lake of fire. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now those words, the, it's, they're, they're there three times. The way, the truth, and the life. They're exclusive. There's not 99 ways to get to heaven. There's one way, and it's Jesus Christ. Wait, I just wasn't raised that way. Well, if you don't repent, you're going to hell. Period. Based on what Jesus said. Let me prove this to you even more. Look back in Revelation 21, verse 27. And there shall in no wise enter into it, what is that, heaven, enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. The only people who will end up in heaven are those which are written, some of their names now, which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, and He's your God, I mean truly, sincerely, based on what the Bible says, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. But for those of you who have not repented of your sin, Receive Christ as your Savior and Lord, really and truly. I don't mean that you're a member of some church somewhere and you don't even believe any of this and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just nothing to you. You're lost, most likely. But for those who've never come to grips with their sin through Jesus Christ, your name the way I understand it anyway, your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. 
Now, some people believe it's written there, and if you don't trust Christ before you leave, then it's blotted out of the book of life once you, you've made your decision and die. And I'm not even arguing either way. The point is that the, when everything finally ends, those that will be in heaven are those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's fact. But I'm a member of a secret society and we do a lot of good works. Hey, good luck on that. You're not going to heaven based on that. You're not going to heaven because you're educated and give to charity or you're a really good guy or gal or you attend church every Sunday or anything like that. If you're lost until until we know your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life because you trusted Christ, if you're lost, you're on your way to hell. That's why Jesus came, so that you wouldn't have to go there. Now, in order to get to hell, you just about run over Jesus with an 18-wheeler full of your sin. It doesn't harm Jesus, but it sends you right off the cliff into the lake of fire, into hell. Which, by the way, if heaven is a real place, you can bet the lake of fire is a real place. Hell is real. This is getting heavy, Pastor Ed. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. I'm just saying. But you you have to trust Christ. And some of you have been feeling, as I've been talking about all of this, a, a, a wooing, a, a, a drawing to Christ. That's God's Holy Spirit trying to bring you to repentance and faith in Christ. You need to be saved if that's what you're feeling. It's all about having your name written in the Lamb's book of life. You know, there'll be two surprises about heaven, somebody said. Who's there and who's not there. And I think that will definitely be true. In Revelation 22, let's finish this passage in 16 to 21. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the Spirit and the Bride, now that's the Bride is the church, right? And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is athirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely, I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. 
Heaven is not only a magnificent city, it is filled with a magnificent Savior. And if you are not trusting Christ yet, what are you waiting on? We're not guaranteed tomorrow or even the rest of this day. If you feel the burden and the conviction and the guilt of your sin nature and all the sins that you've done because you are a sinner by nature, we're born that way, then this is your sign from God. He is calling you to recognize your sin for what it is, call it what it is, repent of sin, and turn to Christ and receive Him as your Savior and Lord. John 1.12 says, But to as many as received Him, to them gave He the power to become the children of God, the sons of God. That's what he's talking about there. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's God's value proposition to you. And oh, what a value it is. So my prayer for you today who's listened in is that if you are not yet a real Christian, a true believer in Jesus Christ, that you will become one and that because of Christ, you will get to go to heaven and it's just going to be great. And if you are already a Christian, that this has reminded you of the wonderful privilege we have, as, as I've had today, in sharing the claims of Christ and in inviting men and women, boys and girls and teenagers to turn their life to Christ, to be saved only through Jesus and to assure their place in heaven, a real place, a majestic city with a majestic Savior, and I want all of you to be there with everyone who's trusting Christ. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. We've been in Future Trends, Bible Prophecy. I hope this has blessed your heart. It has whet your appetite for the things of God. If you're already a Christian, and that indeed many of you who are not Christians yet will become one. If you have a question about the Christian life, contact me at pastoredhill at gmail.com. Tell your friends, relatives, associates, and neighbors about This Week in the Word. They can find it at www.dredhill.podbean.com. Remember that there's no period after the DR. It's just dredhill.podbean.com. Invite others to listen as well. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you, is my prayer.